This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. We're still in the sphere of the sun, the fourth level of paradise. Of course, there really are no levels in heaven. Dante's vision comprises a command performance. And its goal is to deepen Dante's apprehension of God's love, to prepare him to write his poem. As Picarda Donati explained in Canto Three, all souls grace the Empyrean. Yes, there's a diversity of gifts. Some sense the eternal spirit more, some less. I use Mandelbaum's translation. Here we meet the contemplatives, exemplars of wisdom born of prayer, many of them theologians. In the previous canto, we heard the great Dominican Thomas Aquinas relate the story of the founder of the Franciscan order, St. Francis of Assisi. In this canto, we hear the story of St. Dominic, the founder of the Dominicans, the order of preachers. His story will be told by the great Franciscan theologian, St. Bonaventure, Bonaventura. These two cantos form an integral pair. They mirror each other in content and form. And the canto begins with a jubilant image, singing, dancing circles of flames. A new circle comprised of 12 luminous souls surrounds the 12 that we met in Canto 10. Dante compares the circles to two rainbows, the outer one echoing, containing the inner. In a moment, I'll say a few words about some of the souls who comprise this new circle, but first, one key point. We're a third of the way into paradise. The radiant image of concentric rings points ahead to the final canto of the Commedia, the beatific vision. There, Dante will see three circles, like rainbows. He'll see the triune God. The third circle, the Holy Spirit, like fire breathed equally by the two. In the second circle, he'll see, painted with our likeness, the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. Christ inspired the work of both Francis and Dominic. They took up their ensign, flag imprinted with the image of Christ's cross, and they sought to conform their lives to that image. They each had very different gifts, but there's a deep Christological unity to be found in their different callings. As always in Dante's Paradise, we see unity in diversity. As a young man in Florence, Dante had been educated by both Franciscans in the Church of Santa Croce and Dominicans in the Church of Santa Maria Novella. The theology that emerged from each of these two orders had different emphases, for example, in the way they apprehend reality. Briefly, Franciscan theology says love precedes knowledge. Dominican theology, knowledge precedes love. Sometimes there was rivalry between the two orders, but not here. These cantos are infused by a spirit of fraternal charity and courtesy. Francis 
and Dominic were great reforming leaders, vital to a church always in need of purification and reform. Both revived a straggling people by their Christ-like way of life. As Bonaventure tells us, Dominic was born in 1190 to a noble family in Calaraga, Spain. Like Francis, he gets married, allegorically. Francis marries Lady Poverty. Dominic marries Faith. Why Faith? As a teacher, Dominic defended the Christian faith against heresy, specifically the heresy of the Cathars, whom he met in France. Dominic was given a papal commission to preach, teach, and persuade the Cathars to return to the church. In the 13th century, heresy was viewed as something like a contagious virus, something that threatened not only the eternal life of the heretic, but that of every person who made up the church. And Dominic and his followers used words, spoken in charity, to persuade. They rejected violence, the kind of coercion that later leaders political and religious, tragically, imposed upon the Cathars. Well, just what did the Cathars believe that was so dangerous? Essentially, they denied the reality of the Incarnation, the Word made flesh, who dwelt among us out of love. In their quest for spiritual perfection, they saw only evil in created, sanctified flesh. They rejected the Old Testament, the sacraments, they reprised the old Manichaean heresy that the physical created world was evil, not created and embraced by a loving Lord. Dominic's very name invokes that of the Lord, Dominus. As a child, we learn his first love was for Christ. He took Christ's primo concilio, his first counsel, to heart. Blessed are the poor in spirit or Jesus' counsel to the rich man. If you would be perfect, go, give all you have to the poor and follow me. Like Francis, Dominic took Jesus at his word. He insisted that all Dominicans take a vow of poverty and thus model Christ more perfectly to the ascetic Cathars. By the way, look at lines 70 to 76 in the original Italian, if you can. Look at the way Dante the poet shows such deep reverence to Christ in the end rhymes. Cristo, Cristo, Cristo. Dante refuses to rhyme the holy name with any lesser word. In the Trinitarian form of terza rima, he will rhyme it only with itself. And he'll do the same thing three more times in the Paradiso. Keep an ear open an eye open for those moments in the poem. In the final part of this canto, Dominic is described as a gardener. He oversees the vineyard that withers when neglected by its keeper, corrupt religious leaders. Indeed, all these dancing lights, it said, have grown from seeds sown by Dominic. From him, there spring streams out of which the church's garden has found abundant watering so that its saplings have more life, more green. In a garden, the leaves are all green, but the flowers vary in color. 
so too in this garden. And here's where I'll return to a theme that I began with unity in diversity. First, as Thomas had done previously with his own order, Bonaventure critiques the current spiritual state of his own Franciscans, backsliding, their quarrels. Then he introduces 12 holy figures. They comprise the new garland of 12 lights. Many will be unfamiliar to you, but some you'll remember from scripture like Nathan. I encourage you to learn more about all of them. Each is different. For example, we meet you of St. Victor, the mystical interpreter of scripture, St. Anselm devoted to faith, seeking understanding, and St. John Chrysostom, the Eastern father renowned for his eloquent preaching. Recall the end of Canto 10. There, St. Thomas Aquinas courteously introduced us to a theologian with whom, during his lifetime, he had disagreed vehemently. This man's name is Sigur of Brabant. Here, too, we're presented with a surprise in the Calabrian abbot Joachim of Fiore, whose prophetic spirit and writings, especially his pronouncement that this, his age, was the age of the Holy Spirit, were considered controversial. But Dante is full of surprises. Continuously, he affirms both the centrifugal unity and the centripetal diversity. Remember the guardian of purgatory, the pagan, Cato? Soon you'll meet two more pagans, the Roman Trajan, the Trojan Riffius, and they'll be gleaming in the eye of a winking celestial eagle. I think Dante's implication here is that all, even non-Christians, are called to the communal beatitude that is heaven. So keep reading. And keep your eyes open for more glimmerings of God's capacious grace in Dante's poem. Thank you. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.